can't tell if the chemistry is good by looking at it. It wasn't clear yesterday. For the last time, the saltwater pool is a chlorine pool. This is the Talking Pools podcast with pool pros from every region in the country. If it happens in a pool, you'll hear about it here. Everything from tips and hacks to the latest tricks and trends, breaking news. We lay it on the line. We tell it like it is because we think you deserve to know. Hello and welcome to Thursday. This is Rudy with the Talking Pools podcast, and it is CPO Thursdays, where we talk about all things CPO. Today, we're going to talk about water circulation, but before we do that, I do want to mention the CPO classes. If you are in need of a CPO certification or you know somebody who's in need of a CPO certification, send them to my website at cpoclass.com. Click on the tab that says CPO certification schedule. There you will find a listing of all of my in-person and virtual CPO classes. So if you're local and want to sit in face-to-face, we can do that. Or you can take a CPO class with me from anywhere in the world where you have an internet connection. That's key. We have to be able to see you. If you are looking to practice, if you want to hone your skills, whether you're new to the industry or a seasoned vet, I do also have a CPO practice test tab on that same site, cpoclass.com. Click on that. You'll pull up flashcards, downloads, both charts and worksheets, practice exercises you can go through, even a practice CPO test. So check that out. Right now, before we jump into circulation, I'm going to go grab a cup of coffee. You do the same. We'll meet back here in a minute. doesn't make you want to get up and dance like you accidentally walked through a spider web in a pump room. It's time to turn those dancing shoes into goodwill. And who am I kidding? I'm a headbanger from way back, so I was much more appreciative of Eddie Munson's rendition of Master of Puppets on Stranger Things than I am of dance music. But you know what? If that's your thing, that's fine. Music to clean pools by. What's your jam? Is there a favorite tune of yours that you like to listen to while you're out cleaning pools? Netting things from the surface? Working on a pump? Testing water? Let me know. Send me an email. Talkingpools at gmail.com. I'm curious. I'll tell you what. I'll definitely give you a shout out if you let me know what your pool cleaning jam is. Right now, circulation. Just like the circulation in you, this stuff is important if you're heart's not pumping your blood through your veins correctly, you're going to have all kinds of problems. The same thing here. Water circulation is all about flow. And it's one of the big three that we need to master to maintain swimming pools, right? Disinfection, circulation, filtration. So this is one of the big three. This section deals a lot with pump sizing. When we size the equipment to the pool, we always size the pump to the pool. 
Then we size the filter to the pump. The pump determines how fast the water moves through the system, where a filter can only handle so much water so quickly. So that's the reason that we size things that way. We also have these things known as turnover rates that we need to take into consideration when we size equipment. The turnover rate for a commercial swimming pool needs to be at least once every six hours. That is, unless your county has or your state has some additional requirements, like Florida here, for example, has additional requirements for both transient and non-transient facilities. If you have a transient facility that you're taking care of, hotel, motel, holiday inn, or campgrounds, things along those lines, you have the additional requirement of one gallon per minute per rental unit. So for example, if I have a hotel pool that I can turn over once in six hours at an 80 gallon per minute flow rate, if that's a 200 unit facility, I need to have a 200 gallon per minute flow rate. I know that's fast. If it is a non-transient facility, and again, this is in Florida, so you need to check your own health department codes to see if you have any additional requirements. But a non-transient facility in Florida requires three quarters of a gallon per minute per living unit. So if there's some element of ownership that would qualify as non-transient. So for example, an HOA where everybody owns their homes, condos where people own the condominiums, even apartment complexes where people sign a lease. Because if you sign a lease, that is your home for the period of that lease. So please do check your health department code to see if you have any additional requirements. Other than that, we're looking at the once every six hours for a commercial pool, once every 30 minutes for a commercial spa. It's important to understand that when I say turnover rate, I'm not talking about the amount of time that it takes to filter every single drop of water in the pool. That's not what turnover rate is. You have to consider that water is constantly blending and diluting as it's coming in through the gutters or the skimmers back through the returns. Some of the water you'll actually filter six, seven, eight times before you filter some of the water once. So turnover rate is the amount of time it takes to filter an amount of water that's equal to what's in the pool, not the amount of time it takes to filter every single drop. Back in 1926, this is 100 years ago, a group of gentlemen got together to see what the answer to that question is. How long would it take to filter every single drop of water in a swimming pool? This is commonly referred to as the Gage Bidwell law of dilution. What these folks did was they took a swimming pool and perfectly mixed in a certain amount of silt into the water. After each turnover, by measuring the amount of silt that they were able to pull out, because they knew exactly how much they put in, they could determine how much of the water was actually filtered. So we see here that after seven turnovers, and this is in a perfectly built swimming pool, 99.9% of the dirt present in the water has been removed. After seven turnovers, again, keep in mind, we're looking at a six-hour turn, so even at 24 hours a day, that's four turns a day. 
At the end of the first turnover, we've removed or we've filtered roughly 63% of the water. After two turnovers, 86%. After three, we were up to 95% of the water. After four turnovers, we're still only at 98% of the water. Then, of course, after five, it goes to 99.3. After six, it goes to 99.7. And then, as we mentioned, seven turns has us at 99.9. So what we learn here is it would actually take greater than 10 turnovers. And this depends a lot on how the pool is built. If we have dead spots in circulation, it's a totally different story. But it would take over 10 turnovers before we would filter 100% of the water in that swimming pool. So how do you calculate what your turnover rate is? This is important, and you should do this now if you're at a facility or if you take care of swimming pools as a service professional. You should calculate what the turnover rate actually is for that pool to make sure that you meet the code requirement. It starts with knowing how much water the pool holds. You have to have already calculated the gallonage of water in that pool. Don't use the number on the permit. We discussed that earlier on. That number can be wrong. That number is often incorrect. We measure and calculate gallonage in the field as we go through the different CPO classes, and I have never found a pool that was within 5,000 gallons of what the permit said was in it. Gallonage is important. Everything is based off of gallons. Don't base everything you do off of somebody else's measures. You want to base that off of your measures, not the person you replaced. Think about that for a minute. A lot of you have replaced somebody that did a really good job and just moved on. A lot of you replaced somebody who just flat out sucked. So if there's going to be a mistake, let it be your mistake, not based off of something somebody else has done. So in order to calculate what your actual turnover rate is, with your filter clean, take the amount of water in the pool, the gallons, divide that by your flow rate. You can pull the reading right from your flow meter. Then divide that by 60. That will give you your turnover rate in hours. And again, it's supposed to be six hours or less. Let's say we're looking to size a pump. We have to hit our specific turnover rate. You need to know what flow rate you need to accomplish this. Again, back to the pool gallons. We're going to take the gallons of water that we have, divide it by the turnover rate that we want, which should be six hours or less, and then divide that by 60, and then that will give me the flow rate that I need in gallons per minute. The two formulas are very similar. Total dynamic head is another calculation you should do now. It's something that has to be done while your pump is running, while that motor still operates. When your pool is first built, the engineer knows exactly what fittings are used when plumbing the pool. Based off of the fittings, keep in mind, everything creates resistance and every fitting creates a different amount of resistance or friction. It slows the water down. It makes it harder to draw the water. It makes it harder to push the water. The engineer knows which fittings were used and there's a mathematical formula for each and every length of pipe, every 90, every 45, every valve that the water passes through. 
Here lies the problem. Because all of that stuff, now, when you get the pool, is under concrete. You have no idea what they used. If you need to replace your pump, you want to replace your pump with something that's going to push just as much water as the one that you had on there, which hopefully met the turnover rate requirements. So we want the same turnover rate. Different pumps by different manufacturers, even in the same horsepower, pump different amounts of water with different amounts of friction or resistance. Even different pumps by the same manufacturer, different models, if in the same horsepower, pump different amounts of water. So that means you can't just go from a three-horsepower pump of one brand to a three-horsepower pump of another brand, or if in the same brand, a three-horsepower pump in one model to a three-horsepower pump in another model, and hope it works out correctly. It won't. There's medium-head pumps, there's high-head pumps, there's a lot of different things that come into play. And the shape of that seal plate, the cone behind the impeller in that seal plate, has a lot to do with that. The total dynamic head calculation gives us the ability to gauge how much resistance there is in the plumbing on this system without being able to see it. So it's a super important number, but you can only do it while it's still running. If you wait until the pump dies, it's too late. It's not hard to calculate, but it needs to be done. If you plan on looking at different brands of pumps, we need to know what the total dynamic head for that system is. I know the other option. You could replace like with like. Same exact brand, same exact model, same exact horsepower, and then you are guaranteed to get the same water flow. That's true. Unfortunately, companies merge with other companies. Models get discontinued. Companies go out of business. You can't always ensure what you have there now is going to be available when you need it again. On top of that, you lose the ability to shop around. Without the total dynamic head reading, you don't know. In order to calculate what the total dynamic head is, you'll need a pressure gauge and a vacuum gauge. That's it. You take your vacuum gauge reading, which will be in inches of mercury, and multiply that by 1.133. That will give you your vacuum head. Take your pressure gauge reading, which will be in PSI or pounds per square inch. Multiply that by 2.31. That will give you your pressure head. Now you add the two together. That gives you your total dynamic head. Every pump out there in the industry has a cell sheet. And on that cell sheet, it will have a flow chart. Find the total dynamic head on the chart that you're dealing with that's specific to your pool. Follow the line across till it intersects with the gallons per minute you need to hit the turnover rate that your pool has to have. Whatever pumps intersect with that line will do the job for you correctly on your pool. This is how we determine what size pump we need to purchase when we need to replace a pump. And it could be that it died, or it could be when you went and calculated what your turnover rate was, you found that it's too slow. Once every seven hours isn't going to cut it. You need to replace the pump or change the plumbing. You pick one. I think it's easier to replace the pump. Everything the water passes through or past plays a role in circulation. Placement of the return jets 
play a role in circulation. It is possible that a pool is built wrong, that return jets are in the wrong places, and we've ended up with a dead spot in circulation. And you'll know this because if you have that pool, especially in the summer months, August, September, if you have that pool where algae keeps reappearing in the same spot over and over again, the only reason that would happen is if that spot was a dead spot in circulation. Now, if you have a through-the-wall return, you can loosen the collar, manipulate the jet, and hopefully make up for that and fix the problem. Floor returns are a little bit less forgiving. We already mentioned the underground plumbing, but the shape of the pool sends water in different directions. The skimmer, any valves that the water passes through, all of that plays a role. Meters and gauges are important. They help you to monitor the health of the system. Think about it a lot like going to the emergency room. If you've ever injured yourself and had to go to the emergency room, or if you've ever had to take somebody to the emergency room, the first place you go to is this little booth called triage. And at that triage booth, they hook up meters and gauges to you. Blood pressure, temperature, uh, amount of oxygen in your blood, all of that stuff. Those are things that they want to know before the doctor will even see you. So these things need to be in place. Like I mentioned a moment ago, the vacuum gauge, that's prior to the pump. That reads in inches of mercury. The pressure gauge will be after the pump on the pressure side. If you are ever in a position where you are tasked with having to prove that you have a dead spot in circulation, let's just say that somebody's not taking your word for it, that the algae reappearing in the same spot over and over again is a definite sign of a dead spot, you could run a dye test. The way you do this is drop your chlorine level to zero, purchase crystal violet dye, which is not easy to find and it is hella expensive. Remove your cartridge from your filter, reassemble it without it, or if you have a DE or a sand filter, you can put the valve into the recirculate position if that's an option. Pour the crystal violet dye slowly in through the skimmer and step back and watch the pool turn purple. The last spot in that pool to turn purple will be your dead spot in circulation, if it ever turns purple, because sometimes it doesn't. But I will guarantee you that that's the spot where the algae reoccurs over and over again. When we were talking about collecting a water sample, we spoke about how nasty that top six inches of water is, how the chemistry has changed due to exposure to UV light from the sun, how all of the people gack and schmutz float on the surface, and how much bacteria actually develops in that top six inches. Wouldn't it make sense that you want to filter that water more frequently than the water in the rest of the pool? In fact, the common practice is that we draw 75% of the water from the surface for filtration. It's easy enough to set up your system to do, whether it's commercial or residential, the pool will benefit from this. It does make it easier to maintain the pool because it gets rid of the nastiest stuff first. To do this, shut off the pump, open the valve for your skimmer or for your gutters 100%, take the valve for your main drain, close it all the way. Then open the valve for your main drain just a little bit. That will force the system to draw the majority of the water from the surface. 
when we are looking at these valves and moving the handle, make sure that you always shut the pump off before you move the valve handle. If you do not, you can and will create a hydraulic phenomena known as water hammer. You will deadhead that water and send it surging back to where it came from. Guess what? It's coming back. And it usually builds in velocity and intensity. And it can blow plumbing apart. I've seen it blow a four-inch pipe apart, brand new PVC pipe, in pieces. That could hurt you. It's like flying PVC shrapnel. Even if it doesn't hurt you, you're going to spend the rest of the afternoon replumbing that system, and you're still going to think that life is sucking at that moment. In a best-case scenario, if you've ever done it, you've seen all the plumbing jump. Just understand, there is a chance it can blow apart and you can become severely injured. So please, before you move the handle of a valve, always shut the pump off first, move the valve handle to where you want it, then turn the pump back on. All of this talk about circulation lends toward a discussion on the Virginia Graham-Baker Act, the first federal public pool law, signed into law by President George W. Bush in 2007. It went into effect on December 19th of 2008. That's why sometimes you'll hear it referred to as VGB 2008. Virginia Graham-Baker was a seven-year-old little girl went to a pool party. There, she got into a hot tub and sat on a main drain grate. She was stuck to the floor of the spa. People tried to get her out, but they could not. Sadly, Virginia Graham Baker drowned in that spa that day. This is who the law is named for. The five main risks of entrapment. Hair entrapment. Number one. Your hair literally gets tied to the main drain. Great. You cannot remove your head from the bottom of the pool. Limb entrapment would be an arm or a leg stuck to a suction outlet. Body entrapment, that would be a person's torso gets stuck. Evisceration, also known as disembowelment, where a portion of the person's insides are removed through their bottom. And finally, mechanical entrapment. Mechanical entrapment is something that's on you that gets stuck to a suction outlet that is not you. Your bathing suit, a necklace, a bracelet, a hair tie, something along those lines gets stuck to a suction outlet. Folks think that this VGBA 2008 federal pool code is all about the great. It's not all about the great. It's a lot about the great, but it's not all about the great. There are backups that are required. It does cover other areas aside from the main drain. There's a lot of different information that needs to be on that grate in order to make it VGBA compliant. It has to include the maximum flow rate, the model number, the lifespan, whether the cover is suited for floor or wall use, and a statement indicating that it has been tested by a third party and that it complies with ANSI slash APSP-16. So what I recommend you do when you hire somebody to install one of these, when they come out with the grate, take it from them. Make sure that everything on that grate matches your pool. And I want you to take it from them before they install it, because it's a lot easier to see when it's not under six, seven, eight feet of water. 
like I said, it's not all about the great. You have to have a backup. You can use an SVRS, which is a safety vacuum release system, a surge pit so that there's no direct suction on that main drain at all. That just gravity fed. You can disable the drain completely. You could fill it in or reverse the flow. Turn it into a return. Even your vacuum port is subject to the Virginia Graham Baker Act. So please do make sure that we have all safety devices in place. And of course, on that vacuum port, what you need is a spring-loaded vac lock that closes when the hose is removed and requires a tool to be opened. A plug that threads in does not meet the cut. Finally, I just wanted to talk about the water level in the pool because that does play a role in circulation also. Too much, too little, no bueno. We need to have it at the ideal level. And what's the ideal level? If you have skimmers, through-the-wall skimmers in your pool, you want the water level to be at the midpoint of the skimmer. That way, the weir flap inside can actually disrupt the surface so you can filter more debris from the surface of that water. If you've ever seen a pool look dusty, like the surface had a layer of dust on it, there's either not enough water or too much water in that pool. If you operate with gutters, you want the water to just barely stream over the front lip of that gutter. If it's been replastered correctly, you should still have a two-inch drop from front to back of that gutter. So that front lip causes it to roll upon itself. Any of the dust and debris that are floating right on the surface gets churned into the water. So that way the, the gutter grates can pull them out or the U-channel, whichever type of gutter you have, can pull out what's on the very, very top of the surface much easier. We don't want to miss that surface skimming action. It's very important. That's where all the debris and the schmutz and the gack land first. So the best chance of getting it out of there quickly is to nip it in the bud. That's all I have for you this week, CPO Thursdays. Like I said, if you need a CPO class, hit me up at cpoclass.com. Check the schedule, CPO certification schedule page. There you will get a listing of my in-person and virtual classes. If you need more practice or just want more practice, you want to prepare better for an upcoming CPO test, doesn't matter who your instructor is, go to my, I mean, hopefully it's me, but go to my website, cpoclass.com. There you will find the CPO practice test tab. Click on that and you'll get a whole bunch of prep materials that will help make you as prepared as you possibly can be heading into this CPO certification class. Until next week, be good, be safe. I just wanted to take a minute to say thank you for listening today. I'm hoping you enjoyed the episode as much as we enjoyed putting it together for you. Listen, it's been a couple of wacky, crazy, screwed up years from pandemic to Poolmageddon. I just want you to know that we are all in this together. If there's anything that we can do for you, send me an email at talkingpools at gmail.com. Again, that's talkingpools at gmail.com. We're here. This is your podcast. We are the Pool People's Podcast of the Pool People for the Pool People by the Pool People's Podcast. This one is about you. So thank you for tuning in and listening. Do me a favor. Click subscribe before you go. That way you don't miss an episode. 